You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning into me today. One of the most pervasive things in our environment and one of the things that's making its way into our bodies every single day are plastics. You're about to discover the surprising way that plastics are making their way into our cells, the potential health ramifications that this can have on us, plus, and most importantly, what we can actually do about it. Now, what inspired this topic today is based on a brand new study that was just published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology. Researchers from the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln investigated the impact of microwavable plastic containers and the food contained in them. The scientists discovered that when microwaved, these containers released millions of bits of plastic called microplastics and even tinier nanoplastics. It was found that some containers could release as many as 4 million microplastic and 2 billion nanoplastic particles from just one square centimeter of plastic area within three minutes of microwave heating. Again, that was just from one square centimeter. Now, if you're microwaving your food in a plastic container, there are many centimeters involved. So again, we're getting into billions upon billions upon billions of nanoplastic particles making their way into your food. The scientists noted food in plastic containers that is refrigerated or stored at room temperature for a period of over six months can also release millions to billions of microplastics and nanoplastics. But nothing leaches plastic into food faster than microwaving food in so-called microwave-safe plastics. All right, now you've probably heard that term before, microwave safe. Now, who is supposed to be enforcing the standards on food packaging safety and claims of safety that companies make? Why, of course, that would be the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. But here's the thing. Not only has the FDA not significantly enforced any standards on plastic use by food manufacturers for the decades that they've been in use, But terms like, quote, microwave safe isn't about the safety of the food. It's about the durability of the container and whether or not the container can be safely used in the microwave. So microwave safe does not mean safe for you. And it does not mean that your food is not absorbing billions of nanoplastics and microplastics. And so, again, this is what inspired this conversation because this is something that I feel that everyone should know about because these conveniences could also be functioning as a curse on our biology. And so this is not to run away from all things plastic. This is to understand that our interaction with these things and the way that we're interacting with them in this new way that's only been done in the last couple of decades is definitely having some influence on our biology and we're going to look at what's actually happening in our bodies as a result of consuming all of these plastic compounds now i thought it would be important for us to first understand a little bit about like hey what are plastics anyways and when do we start using this stuff 
Now, when we refer to plastics, we might have ideas conjured up of things like our computers, all right, our cell phones, our mouse with our computer, our car parts, toys, the list goes on and on and on. Those action figures that I grew up with, the, the WWF action figures to the Thundercats action figures, those are all made of plastic. And shout out to He-Man action figures as well. But growing up with these things, it's just like, it's a part of our culture. So we don't realize or think about where does this actually come from? We just have a toy that we're playing with. And not to mention, obviously, our food containers and take that into the realm of various pieces of furniture and all kinds of technology equipment. There's so many different uses of plastic. We can go on for days just listing out all the uses. But what I want to point us to is the fact that, again, it's such a, an integrated part of our culture that we don't often realize that we're literally surrounded by plastic today. But plastics are polymers and there are synthetic slash man-made versions of plastic and there are actually naturally occurring plastics as well. Now that might sound a little bit crazy to some folks because we tend to think of plastics as these artificial man-made things, but the reality is that naturally occurring plastics have been utilized by humans for thousands of years with some of the earliest records dating back about 3,500 years ago when the Olmecs of Mexico utilized sap from gum trees to make things like rubber balls. All right, they were out here making <laughs> balls. This could be for, you know, early forms of games and whatnot, but of course they were utilizing this substance, this plastic, this naturally occurring plastic substance to do all sorts of things as well. Now, it was about a century ago when synthetic plastics were invented. Eventually, fossil fuels in the form of crude oil and natural gas became the predominant form of plastics used in our society. And since 1950, the global production of plastics has essentially doubled every decade, equating to about currently 9.2 billion tons produced from then until now. So the span of about 70 years, we've produced almost 10 billion tons of plastic. All right, that's a lot. And again, if it's coming from fossil fuels, this is not necessarily an unlimited resource. And so our dependency on plastic has grown. Our creativity and uses for plastic has grown. The reason that plastics have been such a valuable entity in our culture is that the name itself implies a moldability to be able to shape it into all kinds of different things. So if you just think about something, for example, like if someone wears glasses, right? Those glasses are made from plastic. What were they made of historically, like hundreds of years ago? What was Benjamin Franklin rocking? All right, he's probably rocking some wood frames, all right? He had those, those wood uchis, all right? Wood Gucci's, all right, you put that together. That's what he was out here. He's a fly guy, but you know, he can get splinters, put it on his glasses. And prior to that as well, and just even around the time and for centuries prior, humans were utilizing things like uh, ivory from tusk of elephants, turtle shells, and other products that were coming from animal sources. 
And again, with the human population expanding, that gets into this place of putting all these different animals on the endangered species list by people wanting to be able to procure different things made from those, those products. And now, so this brought about also this opportunity to do things in a different way. So I don't wanna paint this all in a good or bad picture because the invention of synthetic plastics has led to a lot of innovation and convenience and so many things that we can be thankful for. But like with pretty much everything in life, it comes at a cost. And so we wanna be able to neutralize to the best of our ability, this potential cost. You know, have run a good cost benefit analysis and see how much our interaction with plastic can be in a healthful way and where are we tipping into a place of problem. Now, one of the big picture subjects that's talked about in the realm of plastics and our potential overuse of plastics is the impact that it's having on our environment because plastics don't biodegrade in a normal kind of biodegradation cycle, like something that would be naturally occurring, right? It doesn't just integrate itself back into the environment. And we're seeing this buildup of synthetic plastics all over the place. And so we might see that turtle whose shell was saved, but then it's got a straw stuck up its nose, ironically, and that would catalyze a lot of, of irritation and, and unrest among the public to protect those turtles and rightfully so however within that conversation of saving the environment we often overlook humanity we overlook the, the fact that we are part of the environment too who's looking out for us who's paying attention to the impact these plastics are having on our biology as well so this is a mission to absolutely be more considerate and protective of the environment, what we socially accept to be the environment, but also understanding and embracing the fact that we are a part of the environment and we need to protect ourselves, our family members and our community as well. And so that's what this is all about. Now, what is the connection between plastics and our food and beverages? Now, this is where this conversation is going to be guided today because this is the most consistent way that we're going to be absorbing plastics into our own human tissues. And so the question is, what is all of this plastic consumption doing to us? Well, a peer-reviewed study that was titled Microplastics, a review of analytical methods, occurrence and characteristics in food and potential toxicities to our biota our microbiome, and this was published recently in 2022. And the study stated, quote, exposure to microplastics may induce oxidative stress, inflammation, neurotoxicity, and reproductive toxicity, and change the structure of intestinal microflora in cells or biota. Therefore, we call for more investigation into the residual excretion and bioavailability of microplastics or related absorbance slash additives in biota and humans, unquote. Now, the researchers use a sample digestion process to determine the amount of microplastics consumed from eating the following foods frequently contained in plastics. 
beverages, right? A lot of beverages are contained in plastics, whether it's soda, whether it's sports drinks, water, right? The list goes on and on in beverages that we often are storing in plastics. Also condiments. Our condiments are frequently stored in plastics as well. I remember when I was a kid, the Heinz ketchup was in that glass bottle, right? You had to you had to really shake that boy and or like use a butter knife, something to like get it going. And they were like commercials of like sitting the the ketchup on top of like the Empire State Building, like tipping the bottle over and the person running down to the bottom and the ketchup finally falls out onto their hot dog. All right. We had that slow pour going on. Then the squeezable plastic bottles hit, changed everything. All right. Now I'm going ketchup crazy. All right. I'm making it rain ketchup everywhere because I had that easy squeeze. Now, condiments, honey. All right. That sugar bear, that bear on the store shelves, it's plastic. All right. A lot of honey is stored in plastic. And it's a very enzymatically active thing that can, again, those, those plastics, those microplastics and nanoplastics are readily getting infused into that honey. Meat, especially processed meat, seafood, and packaged vegetables as well, just to name a few, but this is what they were looking at specifically in this study. Again, using a sample digestion process to determine the amount of microplastics consumed from eating those foods. Now, shockingly, or maybe not so shockingly, the researchers determined that the average person, their annual intake of microplastics from eating those foods was equivalent to a couple of plastic bags that we're consuming, the average person. And they said that people who are eating essentially a large amount of ultra-processed foods that are predominantly contained in these plastics could be consuming the equivalent of up to 50 plastic bags annually, all right? That's just crazy. That is, that's crazy. Now, just think about you you're driving by or walking down the street, you seeing somebody just nibbling on a plastic bag, all right? That's just like super outrageous. But these compounds are sneaking their way into our food and our beverages and building up within our tissue matrix. Now, there are some other things that, Again, I want to be clear here. That's on the potential maximum end. Potential, okay, way, way down. That's not for the average person because that's what the headlines could denote because there's also a couple of studies getting peer-reviewed out there about you know humans eating the equivalent of a credit card worth of plastics each week. And if you actually go and look at the studies, it's not that's not exactly accurate. It could be on the upper end end potentially but the average person is not consuming that much of these microplastics not to say that the smaller amounts are not dangerous because again on the lower end a couple of plastic bags worth of microplastics that we're consuming annually that's not cute that's not that's not sexy at all now this is the very reason that i made it a mandate to do this masterclass on this subject for you today is because the scariest thing with our interaction with these plastics and our food supply, the scariest thing is what's happening to our babies. A peer-reviewed study titled Microplastic Release from the Degradation of Polypropylene Feeding Bottles During Infant Formula Preparation was published in October 2020 in the journal 
nature food. And it determined that bottle-fed infants around the world may be consuming more than 1.5 million particles of microplastics per day on average. Yes, that should be shocking, yes. But the still unfortunate thing is that entities like the WHO, when pressed about this issue, released a report effectually stating there's not enough evidence to conclude that microplastics in food and water pose a risk to human health, while stating more research is needed to draw firmer conclusions. We'll wait and see, right? This is such an integrated part of our culture. It's what we do. We've got all these food manufacturers with billions of dollars in play in lobbying and policy control. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. More research is needed to draw firmer conclusions. Well, many, many studies have been done. Another study titled Plastic Bottle Feeding Produces Changes in Biochemical Parameters in Human Infants. And this was published in the journal Clinical and Experimental Pediatrics in May of 2022. The researchers noted that feeding through plastic bottles over prolonged duration appears to expose the infants to leached BPA or bisphenol A, a known xenoestrogen. To test this, they compared the effects of breastfeeding and plastic bottle feeding on an array of biomarkers in infants. After compiling the data, the scientists found higher levels of triglycerides, cholesterol, low-density lipoproteins, very low-dense lipoproteins, so that's LDL and VLDL, and increased creatine kinase MB, and this is a biomarker that can indicate cardiovascular injury, were all observed in plastic bottle-fed babies. BPA metabolites were also detected in the urine of these infants. So when they're saying more studies need to be done, this shit is getting done. It's been done. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And if we're just going to sit back and wait for these entities that are controlling policy, that are often funded by these very organizations that are harming human health, we're all going to continue to suffer. And the suffering must stop, especially for our children. We have to protect our children. These babies are coming into the world and trusting in the fact that we are going to protect them. Now, please understand, this is one of those things where this is not a place for us to feel guilty or to feel like we did something wrong because my first two children, we used the bottle, all right? They were bottle fed for significant portions of their development, all right? And sometimes, especially with my, my first child, my mother taught me, because she used to, you know, babysit a lot of kids and even my little brother and sister, you know, me being the oldest and having a significant age gap, pop that bottle in the microwave with the breast milk or the formula. And it's just what you did, right? You tested to make sure it's not too hot. And now here we are. The reality is we simply didn't know. And so this isn't something for me to beat myself up about. Of course, I wish that things were different, but we were trusting the process of what was normalized around us. And this is an important insight for today is that 
a lot of the things that we do as far as raising our children, as far as our health practices, is deeply influenced by the culture that we grow up in, right? So there are certain cultures that breastfeeding is the only way that the babies are fed. And we evolved even prior to this, where we had this social construct of having a wet nurse, right? So if for some reason, a mother wasn't producing breast milk or adequate amounts of breast milk, there were other mothers or there are other women who were able to provide breast milk for our children. And so innovations like formula, that's a whole different conversation because there's been this political campaign to reframe and, and make formula superior to human breast milk, which is so unfortunate and so ridiculous that I struggle to even talk about it. But the fact that we can have something to keep children alive, to give them essential nutrients in the form of a formula in those necessary cases, that's a blessing. But when that's framed as the thing or the best way, or, and this is a big part, exposing our children now to all of these newly invented compounds because of it, that's when we need to step back and seriously consider what are we gonna do moving forward? Now, just to recap, looking at the situation where we have infants who are breastfed versus infants who are bottle-fed via plastic bottles, and seeing that the children who were bottle-fed with plastic bottles having higher cholesterol, higher triglycerides, in particular, we're not just talking about cholesterol or villainizing cholesterol, we're talking about these carrier molecules. LDL in particular though is VLDL, very low-dense lipoproteins. So we have blood markers showing up like our babies are elderly men, right? Just like having all of these compounds building up and basically stacking conditions to where cardiovascular injury is gonna be more likely. Now, you know what's funny is that heart attacks, stroke, heart disease has for some strange reason in recent decades been developing in in earlier and earlier and younger and younger populations. These things were once reserved for people who were in their senior years. Now it's happening to people much younger. Could it be that we're already, we're coming into this world with the cards stacked against us because we're getting the foundation of cardiovascular injury placed upon us as soon as we hit the planet, as soon as we make our appearance. And so... Of course, there are other factors to add into the mix, but looking at the impact that's already noted in peer-reviewed data that plastics could be having on our children, it's just how often do you even come across a study like this where looking at breastfed babies versus bottle-fed babies and, and hearing information like this, this should be all over the place. And we should start to question like, what are we doing? And not to villainize or put in a, a position where again, we're experiencing guilt or shame or anything like that, but like, maybe we can find a better container for bottle feeding our babies, right? Maybe we could find something, not even a maybe, we know we can, but why would we if we think that everything's fine? Because that's what the environment is saying. That's what the culture is saying. And also we have entities like the WHO saying, hey, we, we don't really know. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We need more information. Don't want you to jump to conclusions. So typically we... Things have to get so bad that policy is put in place to change. Companies have to siphon so much money from our population 
and then they can gracefully bow out or pivot into something else. And that's, that's so unfortunate because we're better than this. But as with anything, you know, the statement is knowledge is power, you know, so learning about this, but knowledge is really potential power. It's what we're going to do with it that really matters. And so moving on, one of the things that really popped up for me was the integration of these things into our tissues, because that's what several of these studies were indicating is that these microplastics and nanoplastics were able to actually invade and get into human cells. All right. And I was just wondering, like, can they cross the blood brain barrier and get into our brain cells as well? Well, another study, and this was recently published in 2020 in the journal Particle and Fiber Toxicology. And the researchers denoted that the combined data indicate that exposure to micro and nanoplastics can induce oxidative stress, potentially resulting in cellular damage and an increased vulnerability to develop neuronal disorders, brain disorders. Additionally, exposure to micro and nanoplastics can result in inhibition of acetylcholine stearase activity and altered neurotransmitter levels, which both may contribute to behavioral changes. This is causing behavioral changes in our community, in our families, in ourselves, and we might not realize it. All right, so acetylcholine is one of the most important nutritive factors for balance of the human brain, for, for, for balance of our mood. And so this disruption that microplastics appear to have is disrupting. That's just one of the channels is disrupting. And so there's this tenant, you've heard it, you are what you eat, and we're eating all these plastics. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for our behavior? Are, and I'm just going to throw this out here, some of these terms, are people becoming more fake? Are they more plastic? Are they struggling to be real with themselves because of our exposure to compounds like this? Now we're diving in and isolating and focusing on this new innovation of plastics into our culture. Again, this has only been a few decades and the human story that goes back thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it's only been a couple of decades only a couple of decades that we've had so much exposure to this substance, in particular the synthetic version of it. And so now we know that it's getting into our brain and it's affecting processes, all right? So again, wouldn't it be in our best interest to start to pay more attention to this stuff? And you might be like, well, what can I do? And we're gonna talk more about that, of course, but just one thing, and I actually just shared some with my team one of the foods that was highlighted in the study that we mentioned earlier, looking at commonly consumed foods that are stored in plastic, the one that hit me that jumped out the most to me was honey, all right? Now, this is because for years we had that little honey bear ever since I was a kid just sitting on our shelf. And for me today, thankfully, there are companies who are well aware of these interactions and they're not waiting around for the FDA or the WHO to say, hey, we probably don't wanna store that in plastic because you're going to be feeding billions of nano 
plastics to your consumers, to your customers. And so companies have really stepped up that are aware of this stuff and the, and the impact of plastics integrating with our food and the honey that we have today, prior to even having this data in front of me, is from Beekeepers Naturals. And they store their superfood honey, raw honey, in glass. And it's just another reason why I'm such a huge fan of them. And their honey also has some royal jelly, some propolis in the mix as well. And a recent study published in the peer-reviewed journal Nutrients detailed how raw honey intake can actually improve our fasting blood sugar levels, improve our lipid metabolism that gets screwed up from the consumption of microplastics, and it was found to help to reduce the risk of heart disease. Additionally, the scientists noted the vast antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that honey has. This is one of those balancing factors in nature that is presented to us in the form of honey to help to kind of neutralize some of these inflammatory events that's gonna be happening with our integration or, or interaction with plastics. Now you can get your hands on some of the superfood honey over at beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. And you're also gonna get 20% off store-wide. Also their phenomenal nootropic brain fuel that's based on royal jelly is stored in these little glass, cool little vials as well. And again, you get 20% off store-wide. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model for 20% off store-wide automatically taken off at checkout. They are the only sustainable beekeeping company that does third-party testing for over 70 residues, pesticide residues commonly found in bee products. Also, they're testing for a plethora of other toxicants, including heavy metals, bacteria, salmonella, mercury, the list goes on and on. They're really going above and beyond. And so something special. So head over there, check them out, beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. Now moving on, most folks who've been interested in health and wellness for any stretch of time are probably well aware that BPA, bisphenol A, is a xenoestrogen or estrogen mimicking compound that's been integrated into, in particular, beverages, in particular, bottled water. That's been a big topic of conversation for many years. So that might not be news to some people. But even going for BPA-free plastic bottles is kind of missing the point because there are other very similar compounds that mimic hormones in our bodies like BPS. And so I really wanted to get this information out in a bigger way and help us to, again, make changes that we can, control the controllables, make small upgrades to some of the things that we're doing in food storage and even when we're purchasing food, but in particular in food storage because this is where a lot of people, myself included for many years, after cooking, we would store our food away in plastic containers. And so I wanted to share with you something very special and I'm gonna read for you a segment from the new Eat Smarter Family Cookbook really addressing storing our food safely. Now this is in a chapter where we're looking at upgrading our kitchen culture and creating an environment that's much more fun, that has access to more healthy options and really just creating an environment 
where health is more accessible. And on this list, I had store your food safely. And that's what I'm going to share with you right now. I'm a huge fan of making enough food to have leftovers. It makes grabbing a healthy meal or snack so easy the following day or two. That said, whenever you have leftovers, storing them safely is something that more people need to know about. Plastic storage containers are the typical go-to thanks to marketing and rampant accessibility. But storing your food, especially hot food, in plastic containers is a cultural contagion that we need to stay away from. Bisphenol A, BPA, is a noted xenoestrogen found in plastic. A xenoestrogen is a foreign estrogenic compound that's able to mimic estrogen in our bodies. According to data published in Frontiers in Bioscience, xenoestrogens like BPA are able to bind to estrogen receptor sites in our body and disrupt the function of our endocrine system. Degeneration and, quote, leaching of the compounds in plastic are generally very minimal. So there's no need to be too neurotic when you have an occasional tryst with a plastic water bottle or container. But making plastic use a consistent practice for your food and beverages is definitely a place to have caution. A meta-analysis of over 100 studies published in the peer-reviewed journal Environmental Research found significant detrimental effects of BPA at even low exposures. Issues connected to BPA exposure range from infertility to obesity and more. For instance, a study published in Fertility and Sterility found that men with detectable levels of BPA in their system were three to four times more likely to have a low sperm concentration and low sperm count. While another study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism found that people with the highest percentage of BPA in their system were at least 50% more likely to be overweight or obese. Yes, BPA-free is a step and an acknowledgement by the plastics industry that there is a problem. But I want you to be aware that there are other concerning compounds in our conventional food and beverage packaging like bisphenol S, BPS, and bisphenol F, BPF. A report cited in Environmental Health Perspective stated that, quote, based on the current literature, BPS and BPF are as hormonally active as BPA and they have endocrine disrupting effects, unquote. Just to be safe, we're going to pass on the plastics as much as possible from here on out. Here are a few awesome options for food storage that are rapidly growing in popularity. One, stainless steel food storage containers. Two, glass food storage containers. Three, mason jars. Four, silicone food storage containers. Again, that is a segment from the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. And there are a tremendous amount of insights, tips, tools, strategies, things that we can upgrade. And that section then goes on to talk about the culture of cooking a little bit extra, culture in our families on putting food away and helping each other out in the respective love languages. And so it's a lot of fun stuff. But again, this is a very unique cookbook in that there are over 250 scientific references in this cookbook guiding the decisions that we're making but all in a way that is colorful, that's 
fun and empowering to learn about. And of course, I would say most importantly, but the recipes, oh my goodness, that's what it's really all about is being able to eat amazing food and enjoy that amazing food with the people that we care about. And so if you haven't done so yet, go to eatsmartercookbook.com right now. Go to eatsmartercookbook.com and pick up your copy of the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. Pre-order your copy today. We need to make this a movement. I really, this is from my heart to yours. Grab your copy, pre-order your copy. You're gonna get some incredible bonuses. You're gonna get entered into the 25K health and fitness giveaway. You're also gonna get access to the 2023 Family Health and Fitness Summit for free. You can attend that virtually from anywhere. And most importantly, by pre-ordering your copy of the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook, we are letting Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, all these entities, Target stores, we're putting them on notice that this is the kind of information that we want on the store shelves. This is the kind of information that we want more of. And so please, Again, from my heart to yours, if you yet to do so, go and grab your copy, eatsmartercookbook.com. Now, in addition to making those swaps, just swapping out our storage containers to protect our food that we've cooked and now we're storing it, other things that we can do is, of course, when we're buying food, be a little bit more mindful of when we have options where we can get things in glass, let's choose to do so more often. Uh, in particular, something that's become much more popular. And I want to think that I have a part in it, you know, because I've been talking about it for so long and putting information out about this. And this is getting our water from things other than plastics. All right. So this could be getting our water stored in bottles. This could be getting a reverse osmosis system at home. This could be artesian well water you know the last house that i stayed in actually was the source of the water was a well which is just crazy um but it's just like how did i even attract that situation it's just like my mind was just focused on getting higher quality water and avoiding all of these plastic compounds that is without a doubt in plastic bottled water because water that's stored in plastic bottles again plastics don't play by the rules of normal biodegradation they are actually photosensitive as well. And so they photodegrade. So even light breaks down plastics in a strange way. Again, we're talking about microplastics, nanoplastics. All right, this isn't something notable. This is something that to, to, to actually for that water bottle to break down if exposed to light and heat and all those things, it's going to take, you know, centuries at least for that to happen to be completely broken down. This is why it's such a huge problem is building up today. However, even knowing this, a lot of us still, we have these little intimate moments with water that's bottled in a plastic bottle. And so the information isn't totally pervasive right now in our culture. A lot of folks still don't know about this. And there was a time when I wouldn't have been caught, I wouldn't have been caught dead drinking out of a plastic water bottle. But that would then encourage my death potentially from thirst. I would just, I was like, I would rather die of thirst and drink out of this and it's just so silly like we become so dogmatic and you know we tend to go a little bit hard especially when we find out things that are deeply disturbing but so we want to keep a balanced perspective every now and then if there's a situation plastic water bottle it's all good all right it's going to be okay because we're going to talk about the next step here with addressing these things in a moment but but when i have a choice 
when I have stacked conditions in my favor, most of the time I'm getting spring water that's bottled in glass and or getting water that has not been stored in plastic via reverse osmosis or some kind of filtration system and the like. And by the way, we're gonna put in the show notes for you a master class that we did on water and hydration and talk more about that subject. So again, check the show notes if you want more information on that. But again, if you're drinking water out of plastic, let's just be honest about what it is. It is plastic tea, all right? It is estrogen water, it, it is what it is. There are xenoestrogens in that, in that plastic bottle and it is what it is, all right? If you wanna sip on a little estrogen tea every now and then, so be it. But again, we wanna stack conditions so that we're not doing that on a regular basis. All right, now let's move on to another thing that we can do to help to protect ourselves and our loved ones from this infusion of plastics into our reality and into our bodies. And since we know that they are without a doubt getting into our bodies, getting into our cells, we need to support the processes of elimination for ourselves, the processes of detoxification for ourselves to help to move these things out of our system. Now, again, we can have a buildup, just like what happens in the ocean. We're mostly water as well. We can have a buildup to where this can be problematic. So that's why we want to reduce our exposure. But also, there are remarkable things that nature can do. By the way, some of the ways that some of this stuff is getting cleaned up are new discoveries of certain microbes that actually break down plastics. Certain little little worms, little things like that that break down these plastics. And um, so again, nature always finds a way. And so for our bodies, we want to support these processes. And thanks to a study that was published in the Journal of Environmental and Public Health titled Human Excretion of Bisphenol A, Blood, Urine, and Sweat. And the researchers concluded that what appears to be one of the most notable ways of getting bisphenol A, these plastic-related compounds, out of our system is through sweating. All right. So... This is something that our genes expect us to do. It is a major channel. Our skin is a major eliminatory organ. We don't think about that, but that's really one of its greatest gifts that it provides us with. And so being able to sweat it out, all right, being able to get this stuff out of our systems. So what are some of the easiest ways to do this? Getting ourselves outside in the sun, exercising, right? Getting our heart rate up. Saunas are popping like crazy today. But one of the most easily accessible ways of doing this is doing some exercise. All right. And so this is something that we all have access to in some form or fashion. But the question is, are we doing it? And for me, again, it's all about ease of accessibility. And just today, my wife and I, we were training outside. We didn't really have time to to, to skate away to the gym. So we have a bunch of different fitness tools. We've been, we've been picking them up a couple, basically a couple pieces of equipment or tools a year over the past like 10 years. Most of our fitness pieces, they're coming from on it. And so we've got the steel clubs, steel maces, primal kettlebells, and we also have a battle rope as well that we got from there uh, years ago. And they've got all these other cool things, sandbags, and they've got these hydro core bags. They've got all this cool fitness equipment and they were really the pioneer in getting these things into the market. 
And so check them out as well. That's onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash model. And you get 10% off all of their fitness equipment. They've got some great human performance supplements as well over there. So again, that's onit.com forward slash model. But today, her and I were both using the different primal kettlebells. She was using the Howler Monkeys, which is about 18 pounds. I was using the Chimps. It's about 36 pounds each, you know, doing a variety like lunges and deadlifts. And uh, she was also doing like offset training. So she was like pressing the kettlebell overhead. We just did an episode recently talking about offset training. I didn't tell her to do it, but that's what I looked over because I was doing my thing. I looked over and she was doing it. So she was pressing a kettlebell up overhead while doing some standing knee lifts. And I was like, oh, look at you. what this is. Where you picked this up from? So she's out here picking up a couple little moves as well. But again, just investing in simple things like this for our families. So there's no excuse when I was getting ready to come to the studio, my sons were working out together, you know? So my 22 year old son was working out with my 11 year old son and they were doing a variety, again, using those tools that we picked up from on it, uh, also a ballistic uh, medicine ball as well. And so they're like doing ball slams and all kinds of cool creative stuff. And the thing is when we have access to these things, it just makes it easier for us to get a sweat on together and Thus, because we are all exposed, including myself, my family members, to all of these plastics on a daily basis. This is not about being perfect. This is about progress. This is not about being perfect. This is about awareness and starting to shift over, upgrade, because we didn't swap out all of our plastic containers that we're storing our food in for years overnight. I invested in a few things. Some glass storage containers was the first thing that I got a couple years back. And then I really love the steel, stainless steel containers for food storage. I really, I think those are awesome. And then things like the silicone food storage containers, or even like there's some that have the stainless steel bottom and then silicone lids. And then you can use silicone food containers and things like that for things like, not just like ice cubes, but like making coffee cubes. If you, if you're into like cold brew coffee and things like that, there's, again, there's so many cool ways that we can utilize this stuff and there are companies that are stepping up and saying you know what we know that there's a problem with plastics and we're making some upgraded alternatives for you and uh, again this is information that everybody should know and i want to reiterate the point that i put this together because i came across the data on what this was doing to our babies who don't have a voice in this who don't have a chance who are just coming into this world trusting that the conditions are going to be right for them to grow up in a place of safety and health. And our environment around us right now is conducive of dysfunction and disorder and disease right now. That's just the state of affairs. And this is not just me saying this, this is looking at the numbers. The CDC recently published their data, 60% of American adults now have at least one chronic disease. 40% have two or more. The majority of our citizens today have at least one chronic disease, all right? This is not okay when it's abnormal, when you're not normal if you are well. And I believe that we can do something about this, but it takes information like this and doing something with it. And so that is my challenge to you. Take action on something that you learned today, make an upgrade where you see fit, and of course, share this out with the people that you care about. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. 
We've got some incredible masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.